Welcome to Entrepreneurhood, where we break entrepreneurship down into three simple pillars, business, lifestyle, and motivation. Our goal is to use our personal experiences as industry leaders to guide and inspire young entrepreneurs to see the lesson in every challenge. Because we understand that companies don't succeed, people do. Now, welcome the leaders of Entrepreneurhood, Lakeham and KB. All right, welcome to the neighborhood. This is episode 20. We got your boy Lake Kim in the building, and I got my brother KB in the building with me. This episode, I think, is going to be an eye-opener for a lot of our listeners because I feel like this episode, we're going to be able to shed a light on this topic that a lot of entrepreneurs, they've spoke on it. The angle that KB and I decide to take is going to be an eye-opener. The title of this episode is called Chase Value not money. And that's straight to the point. It's simple. A lot of our listeners, we feel this way, but we just don't know how to attack the situation. So KB got a quote for us by Gary V, and then he's going to let y'all know why we decided to choose this episode. Today's quote is, give value, give value, give value, then ask for business. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first heard this, I instantly fell in love with this quote. Because I'm a true believer of showing what you're made of first and then asking for the transaction. We hear it all the time, you know, give value, give value. But what is that exactly does that mean? So I'm excited to talk about this episode, bro. I feel like giving value is such a thrown around term that sometimes it goes over people's head. This one is going to be good. Let the listeners know why we decided to choose this topic. We chose this topic to emphasize how important it is to build value within your business. You should be your first investor. If you focus on giving value, then the money is definitely going to come. That's a fact. And I think the key thing that you said is you got to be your first investor, not the second, not the last, but you got to be the first person to invest in yourself. It makes you think about different times when you're younger and we always say, yo, we got to get money. (laughs) Put your heads together and try to figure out how can you make a dollar. But if we would have changed our focus on giving value, then the money would have came much quicker. Yeah, and it would have came in bigger amounts too. It's so crazy to think about is the way that we were raised and the way that our society is like looked on is we always know how to make money, but sometimes if we spend time like sharpening the saw, then it's going to be an easy plan of attack. Yeah, we always chasing the dollar and never really realize that the dollar can chase us. That's true, and and a lot of people don't even understand what that means, so... That's why we decided to come up with three problems that we think a lot of of our fellow entrepreneurs, they experience. So I'll take a stab at the first one. And the first problem we came up with is this. When our entrepreneurs say, I don't have enough money for any resources, I think that's a big thing that stops people from growing. They decide not to grow because they see the dollar sign of what it costs to invest in that. And they get discouraged. And as a result, they just end up chasing the money, not the value. Yeah. What I like to think, too, is like I would never let money be the reason why I can't get what I want. And I say that in a bold way because I utilize the resources around me. I'm eventually get what I want if I cultivate it and put things together in place. That makes sense. That probably explained why you were spending so much money in D.C. this weekend. There was not anything that you didn't want that you ain't cop. I get that. (laughs) That's not the case, man. (laughs) 
See, I built the value already, and I knew what I could afford to spend, so it wasn't a problem. See, like, and that's a whole different way. Second problem is I don't have any time to market because I'm focused on the business. This falls in line with other entrepreneurs who feel like they're so focused working in the business, they have no time to work on the business, far as in their social media, far as their marketing, far as how they get you know their product or service to the customers, how they get new customers. And it's a big problem because a lot of entrepreneurs, business is a sole proprietorship. So it's just you. And you feel if I don't do it, then it's not going to get done. My early part of entrepreneurship and starting my company, I definitely avoided the marketing aspect because in my world, marketing falls in the line of recruiting. And I just avoided it because it was something that I didn't understand. And I wanted to just focus on making sales. It's crazy because if I thought like that, then I know a lot of other people think like that as well. Yeah. I always think of the church example. The church job is to build ministry. And if everybody's only in church and not in the streets talking to people, then they're not going to get any new members. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be outside of what you're doing in order to, you know, have the business flowing and how to create, increase your sales, increase your brand credibility. All these things fall along on the marketing. That's something I definitely didn't enjoy doing in the beginning. So I think I made the beginning stages a lot harder than it needed to just because I was avoiding marketing. I definitely got a good example for this one later on in the episode. Number three, we have, I don't have any help to grow my business. Now for me personally, I used to catch myself saying this when I first started. I'm a personal trainer starting out. And if I don't train them, then they're not going to get worked out. As years go on, I learn different ways to create value where I can train my clients even when I'm not there. And I could be able to you know, service them in different ways when I'm not there. So it's all about really adding to yourself so you can give to other people. Yeah. And I think when our entrepreneurs say that they don't have any help to grow, a lot of it is, I think a big issue is trust. Entrepreneurs, we always have help. It's just we don't trust people to help us. Yeah, that's the other part of it, too. I didn't trust a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) I could admit that. (laughs) And let's keep it real. There's a lot of shady people out there. And even it's so ironic because when we were in D.C., one of our uh, listeners came up to us and said, yeah, I love entrepreneurship. I want to, you know, take entrepreneurship head on, but I just don't trust people. I don't want nobody to sun me. As a result, I'm taking it nice and slow and that's someone that came up to us and said that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is come from the environment that we come from where everyone is looking to take instead of to give. When you actually give with no type of intention of getting back, it's almost scare people off. It's almost like, nah, they up to something. They're they skeptical. <laughs> It'd be generally like that based on our environments and we got to change that. We always are a product of our environment and our environment really, really helps us make good and bad decisions. So I think that problem is going to be a big takeaway for a lot of the entrepreneurs. For the first problem, I don't have any money for resources. Automatically, I think of our favorite quote, you don't lack resources, you lack resourcefulness. Facts. I strongly believe that if you change your perspective on your circumstances, then it will change the outlook on your problems. And you will start to find and create solutions. In the beginning, entrepreneurship, you know, usually broke or don't have money for the business. So you're already starting from the red. You have to utilize whatever resources you have around you, whether it's people, whether it's, you know, lines of credit, 
something that you really don't have per se, you don't have everything together, but you just have to look at what you have as the most valuable at the time. So it brings me back to training where I was training outside and I didn't have the money for equipment. So the bench <laughs> was my equipment, <laughs> the bench in the park, the one dumbbell that I had at home, it made me creative. And I was able to create value with the limited resources that I did have. And I was still able to get a, a functional workout. So from that, using that one weight, I was able to help the person. And by them helping them, you know, they pay me each time $6. I'll take that money and I'll reinvest it and get another weight. So now I got two. And that's exactly how it started, just from the ground up. So would you say like not having the resources in the beginning, would you say like that forced you to be a little bit more creative? Definitely. I always say me being limited made me super creative. So now when I train in in a full functional gym or studio, it's like a kid in a candy store. Now I can do anything (laughs) to really line it up. That's when my results became exponential when I started training in the gym because I never had a full access to a gym before. It was always what I had. I had to work with what I got. But now you can say, yo, you can use all of this. And that's why people get, you know, snatched in two or three weeks because <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I have a system in play and I'm so used to not having anything. So when you come from the struggle, I always look at it as an advantage just because I didn't have and maybe want to go after and get everything. And now I know how to use these certain things that you didn't know how to use. Now, why do you think our entrepreneurs, they try to wait for this particular product or new item before they get started? Because they're listening to someone else who say you're supposed to have this and you got to have this. So you're a photographer. You need to get this lens to make your video essentially well. You got to get a 4K. You don't have to get all these certain things. One day things are great, but once you get it, you still got to know how to use it. (laughs) (laughs) So there's people that have all these different machines. They have all these different crazy workouts. But if they're not effective or beneficial and it's not valuable to your client or your customer, then what good is it? What I'm taking away from this is I feel like a lot of our entrepreneurs that listen, they feel like they got to have it all figured out before they start. KB, would you say when you started training, did you have it all figured out? I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) I was just making people sweat. (laughs) It wasn't like a natural born thing. It was something that I enjoyed because it was a challenge. And me training myself and training someone else is totally different. And we have a different type of goal, different type of focus. I didn't really know anything as much as I know now. So I had a lot of them do a whole bunch of basketball workouts. (laughs) (laughs) I did peep that in the beginning stages. I saw the ab workouts and the lunges, and I'm like, yo, bro, you trying to create a basketball team? I wasn't sure if you was trying to get them in shape or get them ready for a five-on-five. I was always confused. Yo, we just got to burn these calories. (laughs) Shout out to Coach Mac, man, because a lot of the crazy workouts, it inspired me to go after and add my own little twist to it. Yeah, man. I definitely peeped that in the beginning stages. When it comes to not having enough money for resources, I take it in the sense of like education. When you're a new entrepreneur, knowledge is power. Knowledge is money. I felt that I didn't know enough and I was scared to go and ask for help to gain more knowledge. So in the beginning stages, I was just embarrassed. I felt like there were things I should have known in the beginning part of business that I didn't know. And because I didn't know it, I didn't want to ask for help because of 
what I thought people were going to think of me. So like an example is like this. When I started my company, I started with eight employees. I was so excited to get my company up and running. It was my first week running payroll. Check this out. I'm excited to run payroll and I don't know how to run payroll. So I started to freak out because if people don't get paid, they going to quit on me. I just started. This is my first week. It was just like me sometimes rushing things and not taking time to analyze the situation so I could like fully understand what I'm doing. And I think that hurt me a little bit. So because of those different situations, I took those head on and I used those experiences to now train my mind to pay for knowledge and to pay for education and to take that extra development because I refuse to let money be a reason of why I'm not going to learn something. Yeah, that's definitely true. That makes me think about, I think on Facebook, you posted, uh, you were signing people's checks. Yeah. So wait, was that before you learned payroll or after? I think it was like right after I ran payroll, <laughs> then I was like, yo, I'm signing checks. But bro, I swear the day before, I didn't even know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be on a fake until you make it episode. Yo, absolutely, bro. <laughs> yo, I swear, I feel like I got that part mastered at this point because in the beginning stages, man, like I swear I pretended that I knew what I was doing. But bro, underneath the surface, I was freaking out every day. To be honest with you, too, I was kind of overwhelmed to be training in the gym because I was just so, like, I don't even know how to use these machines. I'm so used to being in a park, working out with, you know, pull-up bars, dip bars. So having these different machines, I didn't want anybody to get hurt. I was really insecure about training in the gym in the beginning. I was reading everything, like, hold on, <laughs> what muscles this work on? What is this called? <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing. But as I got familiar with it and I started spending more time doing more research on my own, I started to learn the proper way of doing things. Because there's so many different ways you can use a machine in the gym. It's kind of intimidating when you see people doing certain things and you don't, you try to do it and you hurt yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Even in the beginning, I'm a successful dropout. I love education. Even though I hated school, I love education. And I always banked on learning something each day because I feel like if I could add value to myself, it's going to be better for me because when people are going to come ask me questions, I can answer it. So I purposely used to hang around older people and I'll try to gain knowledge from them and literally like write down things from the conversation that we had. And I like that. I feel like that makes sense. And like you said, you being a successful dropout, that's a powerful part of your story. And that's who KB is. It made you more well-rounded. And I think one of the things that I was thinking as you were talking was, When it comes to like not having enough money for resources or education, right? There's a lot of different ways. You could take the the free route of just like get all of the free knowledge that's out there because that's always an option. Or you could put yourself in a position of like just pay for targeted specific knowledge to help you elevate quicker because with all of the free knowledge that's out there, I feel like sometimes it's overwhelming. So check this. Here's what I did. When I wanted to improve on my time management skills, right, I had two options where I could have said, yo, I'm just going to go on YouTube or, you know, go on Google University and just Google all of those different things and watch all those videos. But I feel like because there's so much free content that it becomes overwhelming. So what I decided to do was 
I wanted to invest in myself and I spent $500 on a time management course. And did I have the extra 500 to like spend? Not really, because that money was supposed to go to other things. But in my head, I was like, look, like Kim, if you spend this $500 to improve on that time management, this can make you $10,000, $20,000 down the line. So it's an investment. And even though I necessarily didn't want to spend the money, I felt like it was targeted information that was going to get me better. It's important to realize what's needed to grow your business. And if you have to you know, spend, you know, they always say, you know, if you don't spend no money, you're not going to make no money. Yep. So it's just true. And Meek said it best, scared money don't make no money either. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I felt about it, man. I felt like if I held on to that $500 just because I was scared of losing it and I was wondering like, what if this course wasn't worth it? I was like, yo, but what if it works? So I just decided to take a leap of faith where I end up spending more than what I felt like I wanted to, but I didn't want to regret it five years down the line. So the second problem when it comes to investing is people feel like I don't have any time to market because I'm busy focusing on the business. Now with this problem, I would say I'm biased to this cause I love marketing. <laughs> so, I'm going to just say like that. I love marketing. I love being creative, but even though it comes natural to me, I always allocated time to brainstorm a session. I have my ideas. I, I put it in a, a notebook and I'll sit there for an hour and figure out how I can, come up with something new. How can I collaborate with someone else that's going to add value to my business? And my specialty is adding fun and social with my business. So me being a personal trainer, I hosted events. I hosted flag football games, beach volleyballs, marathon runs, all these different things that were fun activities, softball, paintball trips, all these things added value to my business because it's not only I'm just catering to one service, but I'm also giving them a lifestyle as well. And once I learned I was giving them a lifestyle, people wanted to feel like they're being part of a community. And that's what separated me from other people. I, they was getting results, but it also had something to do in their leisure time. And they would spend their money with me as well. It just gave me a different upper hand that people will come to me because for one thing and end up buying another thing from me because the trust is there. Yeah, it seems like you was just like really creating a community of people that, they have something to look forward to because in New York, there's a lot of different things people could do. But if they feel like they're around good people where the vibes is good and everybody kind of got like the same kind of goal of working out and having fun, heck yeah, like everybody want to be a part of that. I took advantage of my event planning skills because in high school, I was that guy. Like I was VP. <laughs> <laughs> so me being VP of a senior committee, we used to do so many events every year like at least 30, 40 events a year and like three or four, five or six events a month. And being a part of that, I didn't know in the long run, I actually want to use it, utilize it for my actual business. So when it came to reaching out to people in a certain time, getting locations set, it was like, wow, now I'm actually getting paid for it. And I just took what the experience that I had prior and I just added to my business and I just come up with some of these creative ideas, like the idea of Red Squad versus Black Squad, where whatever team or whatever game we're playing, that's the team that you're associated with. To a point where 
people truly believed and like thought it was a gang. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, we all Team KB, but he was like, nah, but we Black Squad, we Red Squad. And it was so great energy that it carried on to the next event. And it came along with my merch and selling my merch. And it just, it's just a big collaboration of great people in one community that love to have fun and love, love to work out, love to have fitness. So would you say, was there ever a time that you wasn't like good at marketing or like you struggle with it? I feel like it's a God given gift, but I never really recognized it until I actually started doing like my actual business. Cause I always have a way where I can talk to people and say the right words, depending on who I'm talking to. Oh, so you're uh, a smooth talker. I like to say a good marketer, but <laughs> same difference. So they were like, KB, you always got something to say. You always got a good comeback. And I just use that on a higher scale. So how do you think you got good at your comeback skills? Was it like you just had to defend yourself as a kid or like how you became so witty, bro? Being the youngest, man. So when you're the youngest, when I was smaller at the time, I wasn't bigger than everybody in my house. I couldn't beat them physically, but if I know I could say the right words to piss them off, then I won. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was my defense mechanism, and now I use it on a positive note as my strength. <laughs> That's why a lot of people they be talking smack. They be like, "Yo, KB, you always got something to say, or you always making that face." And over the weekend, I was like, "Yo, why they be talking about you like that, bro?" It's crazy because I feel like a lot of people they don't have the the quick response. So the fact that you quick with it. A lot of people, they don't feel that. They don't feel it, bro. Yeah. And it came from cracking jokes, too. Being younger in elementary school, you got to have something to say. Somebody talk about your mother, you got to say something right back. <laughs> <laughs> A shout out to my bros from elementary school because they make you quick on your feet, man. They kept you sharp, bro. They kept you sharp. That explains why you're good right now. So here's my experience, too, bro. When it comes to, like, not marketing, right, I did struggle with this in the beginning. And my struggle with marketing fell in the category of recruiting. So in sales, I have to recruit other people. But in the beginning, I didn't want to recruit because it was like too many obstacles and you got to post ads and you got to like make sure the ads are right. It was just like, you got to pay for ads. You got to inspect it. It just felt like it was way too complicated for me. So I didn't want to like market. I didn't want to focus on having a website. I was just like, yo, somehow magically I wanted people to know who I was and what I was doing. And I don't know why I was thinking like that, but all I really wanted to do was just to make sales and teach my people how to make more sales. And I just did the complete opposite because if I had spent more time on building an online presence when I was a new business owner, I would have naturally made more sales without trying. But for some reason, I decided to go the opposite of make more sales and do no marketing. I got a question. When did it hit you that you realized there got to be another way around it? When I was working like 60, 65, 70 hours in a week, and I was realizing that like my results wasn't changing. And my people, like when I had someone quit and then I realized how hard it was to get another person through the door, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there's a part of my game that I'm not connecting. And then I started to talk to people and I started to like analyze and see what my competition was doing. And I was like, oh, okay. So online, 
they seem fun. They seem friendly. Their brand is recognized. And then it was like a light bulb in my head. And then I started taking it a lot more serious and I took a lot of stress off me. I think that's the transition in leadership. Because when you first started, you was like, I'm going to sell. I'm going to beat everybody in this office. I'm going to be top dog. Being that you top dog, now you have your own office. It's like now you got to teach people how to sell. And it's one of those things where you have to take a step back to go forward. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget about that part because they're so good at what they're doing. They forget the other things around it, how they can scale their business. Because you just don't want to be working at the same pace for your business for 10, 20 years. No way. You're going to be burnt out. So that's why, you know, mom and pops shops have been burnt out because they so used to opening the store, closing the store, making sure, you know, everything is straight and always being there because they don't trust anybody else to do it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if mom and pop was focused on scaling, they could have, you know, mom and pops all over the city. So for our entrepreneurs out there, right, when it comes down to marketing, or marketing a product or your service or your brand or yourself, whatever it is, the main important things is just being known. Once you become known, once you have an identity, then your brand will work for you. And what I was trying to do was I was trying to do the work without trying to create a brand. And once I, I reversed the roles, then my stress load went down and my productivity increased. And that made me feel like I was king of the castle. Now you got the corner office and everything <laughs> with the red bins. <laughs> Bro, now I feel like I'm winning for real. Yo, it's so dope because I wish we could hear something like Entrepreneurhood when we first started, bro. Hands down. Not to toot our own home, but we give out gyms, but we also give out real experiences that we've been through. And if other people were this transparent with us, I'm pretty sure we would have took heed and like, hold on we could do it this way. This is another way to doing it. Or I could research this. So I want our listeners just to really check out, you know, stuff that we're saying, really do some research on us. If you don't feel like we, we not talk about what we're talking about or you don't think it's credible, but we really do this and we really sharing y'all true experiences that happened to us. I've been running my sales and marketing company for five years. You've been running your fitness company for seven years. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to share those ups and downs that we experienced so our new entrepreneurs don't experience it or the struggling entrepreneurs are able to get out of the slum. So I think anybody that's listening, if they really dissect each episode, they're going to find something that's going to help elevate their game. Facts. And that's all we want to do is want everybody to win is, you know, to share the entrepreneurhood journey so you guys can take the keys and gems which are in Excel. The third and final problem that we have is I don't have any help to grow my business. And I'm going to revert back to what you said a little bit with the second problem. Here's my experience. I've always had a team, right? Like getting into sales, I've always had like people that I was, was responsible for. But what I didn't realize was that my team always reflected the amount of leadership and development that I gave them. So my biggest problem was trusting people to get the job done the way that I wanted it to get done. And as a new entrepreneur, when you start to delegate stuff, that's extremely difficult. And the reason why is because your business is your baby. It's so delicate. Yeah. So when you've given a task to somebody and they make one small 
mistake, new entrepreneurs, they flip out. And that's what I did. So <laughs> I flipped out over the littlest things. And then as a result, bro, what I, what I didn't realize was it made people not want to do any task because they were scared to upset me. So the trust issue that our entrepreneurs, we struggle with is we can't allow that trust to stop us from growing our business because people want to help, but we have to get over our fear of them messing up to stop them from helping us grow our business because that, that's the end goal. That's what we really want. Yeah, everybody wants the business to grow. There's ways to go around that and ways to go about it. And even with me, it's like I realize I could get with so many clients, but then I realize too that my clients actually get more clients than me. So what that really means is that the referral game is strong only because I build so much value that they want to share the experience of training with me with their friends and their family. And once I realized that, I was like, all right, this is my strategic way of going about it. I'm not going to try to, I never convince anybody to train with me. I never try to sell somebody, yo, you should train with me. It's always such and such to refer to me. Or I saw your results from client A and client B. I want the same thing. And I feel like if you add value to yourself, then you don't have to sell anything to people. It goes back to the title, chase value, not money. And I think if people do that in the forefront of their business plan, then they will continue to grow and they will continue to be successful with themselves. Yeah, bro. The end goal is value. The end goal is value. Value overcomes all because as you continue to make that value strong, then the money is going to be attracted to you. And like I said, once I overcame my fear of not trusting people and allowing someone to mess up, then that's when I started to blow up. Because the big thing that I learned in business, and me and you, we learned this, and that's one of the reasons why we decided to go and get a virtual assistant. Here's what some of the mentors told us. If someone could do something 80% 80% as good as you, let them do it. <laughs> By any means. <laughs> like, why stress over a task that someone could do 80% as good as you that isn't like a major task that requires you to be present? There's certain tasks that you can't delegate, but if they could do it 80%, bro, like, what's the hassle? Like, don't, what's the stress? Don't stress yourself over a task that you could give someone and they'll do it just as good. If they do it at 80 then that means that's going to increase every time they do that particular task. It's going to get better at it. And another example I have is when it comes to my nonprofit feed in the city. When I first started, it was really my clients, a couple friends, and we gave out 52 mils. And we collected donations from people. And the next year, it went from 52 mils to 400 mils. process of that, I had to learn to trust other people with using my brand name, my company name, and saying we're moving as a unit. But I knew if I trust other people, then we can grow and help more people by feeding them. Fast forward years down the line, now we doing we did 2,000 meals last year, and we had seven different shelters. Wow. So I had to create a system and trust other people, my friends, to run these different locations. And they never ran these locations before, but I gave them a system. I gave them a plan, and they watched how I did it over the years. It's like, all right, now we got to grow. You guys can take this over. Like to a point where I was in the streets and then as years kept going by, I couldn't even have a chance to be in the streets because I'm just directing and coordinating and doing logistics. 
it's a bittersweet thing for me, but I'm like, it, being that I'm in this position means that we have grown. And we have over 250 volunteers. Everybody's under, you know, 30 years old. And we also have cooks, like 100 cooks from all over. All this came from just building value. And people want to be a part of it. And nobody's getting paid, bro. Everybody's doing it off the strength on the arm and out of love. And I think by building value in your brand and your business and your nonprofit is so important that people would want to be a part of what you're doing. Yeah. One of the things I tell all of my employees as I'm teaching them how to build teams is people want to be a part of something bigger than them. And if they feel that they're a part of that, then yeah, they're going to work and they don't care of what they get compensated because they're like, yo, I just want to feel like I'm a part of a team. I want to feel like I'm a part of something big. And the fact that you've been able to create that and go from 50 to the bigger numbers that you've created is, that says a lot, value, 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 then ask for business. Exactly. (laughs) Yo, it's so true, man. It gives me chills every time, every year it happens because I dedicate my whole November to just giving back and creating an environment where others can give back. Because you know what they talk about, you millennials, like we don't care about nothing. <laughs> so we just changing the whole stigma with that. We got to, bro. I think it's the only way to show like our progress. So what I want to do is I want to give our listeners some of the solutions because I really want to emphasize and bring home the point of why our listeners should chase value, not money. So the first solution that we have is for the problem where we say, I don't have enough money for my resources, right? My solution is this. You got to spend money to make money. Over the years, I've spent money on courses that were like astronomical that in the past I would never spend any money on ever. Like, bro, when we were creating this podcast, there was two routes. It was the route of me and you trying to figure this out off the muscle yeah. Or I was like, yo, KB, I found a course. It's $1,000, but bro, it's going to make our podcast official, professional, and we're going to blow up from day one. And that's the route we decided to take. And I think for all of our entrepreneurs is like, if you want to create something that people want to be a part of, people want to listen, people want to see become something big, you have to invest in yourself. And that's what I did over the last few years. And that's what I'm encouraging all of our entrepreneurs to do as well. So my other perspective, because for people like, well, Lay, I don't have a thousand dollars to invest. (laughs) (laughs) You have your phone in your hand, your phone in your hand. As long as you pay your phone bill, that's an investment. (laughs) So with that being said, we have the World Wide Web. We live in the 21st century. There's Google University, YouTube University are very effective. And you can go to these certain pages on a website and look at different forums and read people's experiences. So if you don't have the money to buy a certain course or program, you do have the money or you could get free Wi-Fi nowadays. Yeah. So just pull up to wherever you could find Wi-Fi and research on the things that you want to know. A lot of people let this stop them not having money and not having money is not stopping you. You not having value is what's stopping you. That's a definitely a take that people need to understand that you can be, you're in control of your situation. Don't wait for somebody to try to come save you. You actually can save yourself. Yeah, bro. Like, don't wait for someone to save you. You can save yourselves. Like, 
That's something that our listeners got to write down, bro. Money or not, you got to get the job done. (laughs) (laughs) That's official, bros. What would you say is the next solution? So for problem number two. Well, you don't have time to market your business because you're, you're focused on building your business. Okay, I get that. But at the same time, you must know the whole point of business is to grow. Either one, you have to do it yourself or pay someone else to do it. It's really much that simple. But you have to have it as part of your business plan. I'm going to either spend time to focus on this and learn this skill set, or two, I'm going to pay someone who already has this skill set to get this job done for me. What I just jot down, because what you were saying just made me create a very relatable idea, is the more time you spend on marketing, the less time you have to work in your business. Like Our goal as entrepreneurs is if we want growth, we want to always focus on working on our business, not in the business. In the beginning, you're going to have to work in and on it. But if you focus on growing a brand, you focus on growing something that people want to be a part of, then you focus on working on the business. And then that's when you start seeing some significant growth. Yeah, we always hear the saying time is money, but how much of your time really worth? So if someone else could get it done for 10, 20 hours, would you rather spend four hours working on that? Now you're getting paid $5 an hour and you own your own business. <laughs> <laughs> so people don't want to look at it from a new metrical standpoint. If you have a hard time figuring out, should I do this task or should I pay someone to do it? Then you can measure your time like that to figure out how much is really worth. Yeah, bro. The last solution that we have is... For when people say, I don't have any help to grow my business. Here's what I would tell all of our entrepreneurs out there. Give people trust until they give you a reason not to trust them. Mm. Now, that's completely, completely different than how most people are, are raised. Because it's like trust is earned. That's how we're taught. But in business, you got to give it off the muscle and then you got to allow someone to give you a reason not to trust them. Because that fear of being screwed over, that fear of thinking someone is going to be out to get you is going to stop a lot of us from growing. And bro, I promise you, for me, I had such a hard time with it. Now that because I'm so mindful with the people I'm working with, I give them trust up front. Now, I'm not telling our entrepreneurs to go find a crackhead. Yo, I'm going to trust someone off the streets. Don't do that. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be smart with the people that you're around. And if they're around you, then you just going to have to give them trust until they give you a reason not to. I like that. I personally always start everyone off 100%. I feel like that's my respect to you. You give the same respect to me. And then if you decrease that, then you just have to be replaced. <laughs> because look, you got to think about it. If somebody, you give them trust in your business and they do you wrong, it's not like, oh, I'm not going to work with anybody else again. You just got to find somebody else. Yeah. So it's like, you, it's only right to take that calculated risk on this person that you're going to have, you know, part of your business because it has to grow with people. You just can't grow with just you. That's a fact, bro. And I think like, that's the main thing that I've learned over the years. And I just don't want our entrepreneurs to, you know, spend three, four years learning that lesson because that's an expensive lesson to learn. So like my, our goal is for them to not have to pay that cost of that lesson. And then for my other take is that try to find creative ways where you can duplicate yourself, whether it's, it's creating a, a ebook, 
whether it's trying to get an app, try to figure out creative ways. If you're so scared to take on an actual person, but you want to get your business or service or product out there, then try to figure out ways to duplicate yourself. So I did that with my app. But at the same time, I still had to trust a developer to do my app. No matter where you put it, you're still going to need people. But if you try to eliminate people and cut corners, it's not going to work. But you got to figure out what's your focus and what's your angle on how you want to grow your business. And you want to give value to your customers and your clients more than anybody else. Bro, that's a fact. And what I think is this, because what you just said made me think of my final takeaway that I want to share with everyone in entrepreneurhood. My final takeaway is this, man, for everyone listening. Growing up in, in Queens, growing up in New York, however they want to take it, we are taught to chase money because if you don't have no money, you can't get nothing that you want. In business, I had to reprogram my mind that instead of me just only focusing on chasing money, I want to reprogram my mind to chase value and become the best version of myself. And by me becoming the best version of myself, the money is going to chase me. And that was a hard thing for me to process and understand. Because when you broke, the only thing you see is dollar signs. Yeah, that's the only thing you want. (laughs) (laughs) Again, like what I said earlier is our entrepreneurs, if we spend some time sharpening the saw, becoming a better version of who we want to be, the money's going to follow. That's why we chose the topic, chase value, not money. My final takeaway is money can only hold value to depend on who's holding it. So if it's not being utilized, it's just sitting in your account or just sitting in a box, a shoebox. It has no value until you actually use it. If you take value and you take value to the, the further extent, then you can use that value and people will be throwing money at you. What skills that you have that you can capitalize on and to create value and put money in your pockets. Because we all want to get money at the end of the day, but at the same time, we all don't want to build value. You have to reverse engineer your thinking and your programming, how you was taught, in order to grow and to be the successful entrepreneur that you want to be. One of the favorite things I heard before is, instead of going digging for gold, you should be selling the shovels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I heard that, it just changed my whole perspective of everything. It's like, if I sell the shovels, I really don't have to get the gold, but I can sell the shovels for money that could be worth more than the gold. And that's just my take on life itself. It's like, I'm going to build as much value as possible. And I know with that being said, the money's going to come knocking at my door. It's pretty much how I live my life and been successful ever since. So I'm excited to create value more and more each and every year and add skills to me. And it's entrepreneurhood. Anyone can start, but only champions finish. Now that you've completed this episode, you're ready to continue your journey by connecting directly with our hosts of Entrepreneurhood. Follow us on Instagram at The Entrepreneurhood to stay updated with the community. For each episode, the first set of listeners to tag us on Instagram and leave a five-star review will be entered into a drawing to get a free one-on-one coaching session on the topic of entrepreneurship with our hosts. Remember, there is no shame in struggling because we fail, we grow, And we win right here on Entrepreneurhood.